Hey guys, I'm Kim and you've got Hannah here as well. Hey! Um, basically, <laughs> we at Bell Vista Studios um, are always trying to like learn and progress and help improve our craft. And as you see, we do stuff on Instagram, daily tips and insights into what goes on behind in our studio here. Um, and also we do things on LinkedIn and YouTube. And Hannah's been really fantastic at writing our blogs, weekly blogs, and we've been getting really good engagement on them. And I just thought it would be really good if we could get in and do like a behind the scenes of what goes on about like a deeper dive into Hannah's blogs and just have a chat and kind of, I don't know, I can get more depth and insights and hopefully that shares with the community um, more interest and more, I don't know, practical applications or a deeper understanding of each of the topics. So we have no idea what we're doing in this chat today. Um, and we're just going to record it and wing it and see what happens. Um, and it, I suppose it will just progress organically. But thank you for watching. And today's topic or Hannah's blog this week was about human centered design. And I know this is freaking awesome and it's been helping improve our solutions uh, by actually applying it to that initial stage of the project. So Hannah, what, what is human-centered design? All right, so yeah, like I've completed a course on it recently and done quite a bit of research into how it works and how to do it. Um, and basically, human-centered design is about really putting your user at the heart of your solution. Um, and it may seem like an obvious thing to do, but I know when I was learning about it and um, doing research about it, just the amount of like practical tips that came up, I was just like, wow, like I wish I'd done, like I did this more in my um, my working life. Yeah. Um, so yeah, basically it's just like, it's all about the importance of making sure that your user is the real core of your um, problem that you're solving and really focusing on how you can make sure that you're designing it for them and you're not just making assumptions or um, coming up with a solution that may sound awesome will be really great, but making sure that it really works for them as your audience. Um, yeah. So yeah, I guess that's how I would describe it. Cool. So I suppose you did your course and that was through IDEO, hey? Yes, that's it. It was yeah. awesome. So yeah, so know. basically... Oh, you go. Oh, sorry, you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's an awesome course. It basically went through the whole um, human-centered design theory like the theory behind it and also went through the different stages so we can have a chat about that as well um, what's yeah. involved in the different stages and what you can do to um yeah follow through with those stages i guess cool well i know that just coming to mind now like ideo is where i learned a lot about this kind of stuff and what was really cool was that they've literally given everything away for free so they've given resources like facilitator guides so that if you want to do your own kind of human centered design process whether you're running workshops within your team and stuff jump onto the IDEO website because they've just given everything away for free and you don't have to recreate the wheel so that's really awesome um but coming back to like if you're thinking about putting the user or the end user front <laughs> of mind and like really creating something that's actually important to them what is that about like how can we do that um so i guess what i got from it was taking the time in the front end to really understand what their day-to-day -day life is so not just looking at the problem and being and thinking how can we solve that and how can we make it awesome for them but actually putting yourself in their shoes and really understanding what 
like what is the problem or what's the learning that they need and what's their day-to-day experience. So really making sure that you design something that's really fit for them. And there was actually an example that was on the IDEO um, course yeah. that really stuck with me where I was like, wow, like that's well, so true. Um, so it was about a, it was an area that um, had quite a bit of poverty and children in the area were not accessing like the right medical services that they needed. Yeah. And basically the IDEO team were trying to figure out, okay, like how can we, have some sort of clinic or something available for them where um, parents will take their kids to, um, to get the medical services that they need. And you would think like potentially it should be like closer to where they, where they live or um, more like inviting or obvious for them to find or whatever it may be. But when they were interviewing people, they found out that a big part of it was um, how clear they were about the pricing. So it ended up being like something as small as just having a sign out the front saying it doesn't cost anything or this is what the pricing is. Something as small as that actually solved the problem. So, so when you think about like if you hadn't spoken to the people in the community, they may have just designed this amazing clinic that was right near where they all lived or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, just ask people questions and figuring out what goes on for them. Like they came up with that. So I thought that was amazing. Like it's such an easy fix. Yeah. And they could have spent so much money, as you say, on something building a really nice clinic to attract people to it and have (laughs) a culture, but it's just a simple pop a sign out the front that has the price. I know that's turned me off purchasing in the past, like, or (laughs) like engaging in services. Like if you walk by a shop and you like the product or the service, um, but it's not upfront what it's about. Like I know I'm a little bit afraid to go and actually ask like how much is this kind of thing. So I know that that would help me or even if I visit websites and like the price or what I get for that price is not really transparent as a consumer, they've lost me. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. Yeah, it's just interesting. It's just amazing when you ask the audience like what you can come up with. Yeah. That you would never know if you didn't, like interview them or like find out what it was like for them. So, yeah. Yeah. I think when you say about the interview there, like I know for one of our clients recently in the last couple of months, we had to do the induction for them. And like, that's where we went into a big interview process. And I suppose like both you and I have facilitated inductions in the corporate world. And so we're quite familiar with Mm -hmm. like traditional type um, inductions, but I think, yeah, so we went in and we could have had our own view of what it should have looked like, but this client yeah. were like, well, let's, let's give this whole human centered design, design thinking kind of um, like, let's get into it and practice it. And so yeah. through that process, it really shaped a completely different induction. And so I suppose yeah. what we did there was um, like, first of all, I went and sat in their induction to really understand like, what is the experience? What's the content that they're teaching? Mm. Who are the different people that come in and facilitate? Um, and then so sitting in on the induction, then afterwards what we did was like interview their staff who are sitting in that probation period. So either people that were in their first week, um, first yeah. three weeks or still within that three month mm-hmm. period and asking them, look, what was actually important to you when you started um, in the organization? What was missing? What did you care about? Um, 
what kind of made you nervous or whatever it was. And we asked like a series of questions to really understand their context and their world. And the yeah. key things that came out of it were, um, you know, <clears throat> they were nervous. They're starting a new job. Yeah. So they're yeah. like, holy sh shit. Like, oh my God, I'm so yeah. nervous. Like, are these people yeah. going to like me in my new team? Yeah. Do I have to bring milk for my coffee? So these are the things that are going through their new starter minds you know so that was yeah. one really key kind of aspect and then it came yeah. around to like um how can we make them feel comfortable as soon as possible and that mm. really shaped the solution of the induction because it was around first of all the i so all about me you know what's important to me so the topics that came in there were like my start times and yeah. clarifying my role expectations with my supervisor and then part two went on to things like um, things that are in my wider circle that I care about, but I don't care on my first day. So it was things yeah. like um, maybe like salary sacrificing and all that kind of paperwork type thing. And then it yeah. went down to the wider ring of, okay, well, who's around me in my branch and what we're about. And then wider again, what do we do as a whole organization, not just my one department, but. What, yeah. what else is going on in this organization and i think yeah that whole interview process really kind of just really shaped and like we, we got feedback afterwards from people and we said look th does this actually help you what's important to you and that was feedback from people that sat in the same induction face to face with me and then new starters who hadn't done an induction at the organization and they were just like it was really relevant because i could I got the information that was important to me. I could go do stuff, meet people, like, cause we sent them on quests that helped them yeah. meet people in their team and help meet their supervisor early on. So they were able to feel comfortable because they were forced almost to make friends, whereas sometimes traditionally yeah. might be too shy. So it got really good yeah. feedback from, in terms of like doing that whole process and actually yeah, sure. centered design, so yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it just makes me think like, because I've run induction processes in the past and just thinking about like when we're designing them, you think, oh, I have to tell them about like everything the organization does. Yeah. Um, like We have to do the code of conduct, the health and safety, which are all really important things. But like what you said, like when you put yourself in the shoes of the user, like it's their first day, they just want to know where their desk is, where yeah. to find a toilet where to put their lunch like it's so true when you think about what they're actually needing on that first day yeah um it's it can be completely different to what you want to design for or what you think is really important yeah um so yeah i find that so interesting and just the way you can split it up over days so give people the information they need when they need it and it doesn't have to be all at once Sorry. i think that's a really important concept as well like you don't have yeah. to throw all the information at them at once really just give them what they need when they need it yeah yeah, it's so true yeah, right. because it is almost that just in time, but it's really meeting their needs and mm. not just pushing information at them all the time, which is quite cool. Yeah. What else yeah. Um, stood out to you from the process and like how we could apply it in the learning space? Um, I think so definitely like the inspiration phase, which is where you're discovering like what your learner needs was really like yeah. probably the most interesting part for me. and. I think it was so once like you've got the information that you need so once you've 
sort of immersed yourself in your learner's environment and you've done the interviews and you have that understanding, just having a session with your project team and also some of the target audience, I think it's really important to have them there. And I found that really interesting. So rather than you designing it for them, sort of doing a collaboration thing where you have them there with you and you're designing it together so you know it's going to work, like it's going to be the right solution. Yeah. So, yeah, are there I think any examples of like activities that you came up with or heard about for that? Um, so I think like the main thing was bringing your project team into a room together with yeah. the um, target all some of the users, um, having sticky notes and just writing out all the insights you've had. So there might be like, even if it's like quotes, so that if a user said a certain quote that really resonated with you, you could write that out, yeah. different themes. Um, might be barriers to um, what they're trying to learn or it could be something that's helpful for them yeah having like categories so you could have categories up on the wall and sort of sticking those sticky notes up against those categories yeah because then you end up with basically a whole wall that shows you exactly who your user is yeah and if you've got the in the room they can say oh that's not quite right or it should be more like this and you can really get that really accurate picture of what who they are and what their day looks like um i thought that was really interesting and useful and i think yeah that would be like a really important thing to do at the beginning of projects yeah i really like that and i think also like we're obviously big fans of kathy moore and her action mapping (sighs) she's awesome (laughs) um but you know how she's always like get get the learners in there get them into the room so that you can actually learn from their perspective because even recently with an action mapping workshop we did with a client, you know, they're like, Oh, it's social media. We need people to use social media properly. And they've got like freaking so much paperwork and policy. Yeah. And they're like, this is what it needs to be. And it was interesting because we had SMEs in the room and then we had just like staff from different levels of hierarchy and different roles around the business. So outside indoor workers, And when we got into like, what does it actually look like day to day actions and behaviors? And then even down to like, when we got into the activities and them creating the activities, it was so detached from like you, their policies and procedures didn't allow you to actually learn based on the activities that they felt they would inter like would happen daily. So for example, it didn't have anything like one of the things is don't take a photo with you in your uniform because the uniform is quite distinguishable yeah um or don't have it like your facebook profile saying um i work at this place because it can be traced back and it was just really simple innocent things that people might do but you don't realize the repercussion and so one of them might be i don't know you take a photo of an accident on the way to work and you like just post it to your Facebook because you might want to say, I don't know, like avoid this road because like the traffic's backed up and you think you're doing the community and your friends a favor. But that link between what actually happens on the day to all the policies and stuff like is really interesting. So it was so good to have the actual end users in the room to give that perspective and also push back on those subject matter experts to really go, this is what it looks like in reality. It's all really nice to say, yeah, you've got the policies and procedures, which are great, but like in the moment and this whole disconnect that's going on. So I don't know. I think that's really cool that 
you know, you get to have those people and yeah. think that the solutions are way more effective. So yeah, that's cool. What else? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think so after that inspiration phase, it sort of, it goes into the ideation phase. So it's around brainstorming solutions. So once you've got all of that information from your user, you can really start thinking, okay, how might we? And yep. I think that's really important. I know we've, we've spoken about it as well. And you've sort of spoken to me about um, how that question can be so useful. Yeah. But just saying like, how might we solve this problem, whatever the problem is, and using the information that you've got from your user to start answering those questions. Yeah. Um, so I think that's called cool a really awesome part of that process as well, which I know we've tried. Um, yeah. Together when we're brainstorming. Tell is, us more. <laughs> is how you can, um, it's so important to brainstorm as many ideas as possible. And I wish I knew this a long time ago because I can often, when I'm trying to be creative or come up with a, an answer to a solution, I can get really stuck and try and come up with, the one solution that I think is the right one yeah and really like judge myself and think I'm not allowed to like come up with solutions that are silly or like a bit crazy yeah um, but this process really looks at how you can just come up with as many solutions as possible it doesn't matter how wacky or obvious or silly it may be and the more that you come up with the more likely you are to find that perfect solution yeah um so yeah just and Part of that process as well is to only spend, say, 15 to 20 minutes per question so you can keep your brain really fresh yeah, wow. and sort of giving yourself a timer so you can just come up with as many solutions as possible. Like try and come up with a crazy amount, like tell the group that they have to come up with, say, 30 solutions for this one question in a small amount of time and just see what you get from that. Yeah. I think that can be like really effective. That's cool. And motivating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah no it's cool and I think do you want to share remember when we did that um activity for the first yeah. time coming up with the ideas and I think the question was something around how might we improve bullying and harassment incidents in the workplace is where it started oh, yeah and then yeah. you guys you had your time to like actually get in there and do your ideas and then to expand that do you want to we then said, okay, it was started with like two minutes to come up with however many ideas or five minutes and yep. you guys got like 15 or whatever it was. And then it was like, okay, now pretend you're Apple and go do it again. Mm. So do you want to share that experience and what went on for you? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that initial brainstorm that we didn't have the, that, the information about working for Apple. Yeah. So that was, it was interesting because I know we spoke about as well, how you can often like you come up with solutions, you get stuck and then you're like, Oh gosh, like I have nothing left. <laughs> like I have no idea what else to say. Yeah. Or like come up. But if you have that timer and you know, you at the end, you need to talk about what you come up with. You yeah. end up thinking all of these things you never thought you'd think of. Yeah. And all of a sudden like you stop and then you go on this other track and you're like, Oh gosh, I've been coming up with all these things. Yeah. Like I never thought I'd think of. So I found that process really interesting. How if you put that limit, that timer on and take away that judgment of it has to be like the best answer there is. Yeah. It's amazing what you can come up with. Um, yeah. So that was probably the insight for the first part of the brainstorming. And then it was really interesting because when you said it was for Apple, yeah. like, the solutions were so different. Like it's yeah. amazing how 
like it was all about like putting it on an app and having like technology and it just the way that I was coming up with solutions for them was so different yeah and when we like looked at the difference at the end I was like how amazing is that like if I like you think there's a solution and you just come up with the best answers but something like changing who that solution is for just changing the company yeah can have such a big impact on what you actually come up with and what works for them so it just yeah. made me think like how often does that happen out in the world where people don't understand their audience and create something that's totally different from what would be most useful for them yeah yeah it's interesting that's cool and it does i feel like yeah when you are you it's like you change your state of mind you change your framing mm. so almost immediately you know with apple you're no longer thinking about where you currently work or the current constraints yeah. that you're trying to solve the problem with when you think about apple they're obviously like this really massive company and they have huge budgets yeah. and revenue and things like that so your mind expands to okay let's get it going yeah um, which is really cool because even now when i am like thinking about Oh, imagine if we were doing something for Apple now. I'm like, holy crap! Like, oh my god, I can feel my mind. Yeah. Um, There's so many possibilities. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because I there was another um, book I was reading recently called Think Wrong, and it was about okay. trying to change how your basically like the ba the brain looks for patterns and shortcuts to help you make your life easier, and it was trying to break how that happens. And they have in the book, Think Wrong, they have like a series of kind of activities that you can do. And one of them around the ideation thing is they say, okay, you and three people, like they give you constraints and they go, you and three people are now the team and you have to solve this problem. You have a hundred dollars and three days to do it. And you basically have to come up with this like mission plan. And already you can yeah. see that urgency and like the constraints that needs to be done on a budget and just get in, get it done. To whatever needs to happen and I think mm. that, that's another kind of way like there's lots of things out there in the world that can help expand your mind or restrict it or just change that state to be able to come up with new ideas and think about it differently and not have the stagnant thinking that can can tend to come naturally from the organization that you're in and that's why maybe problems haven't been solved in new or innovative ways and you try to always you think that's not possible here or this is the way that we've always done it so yeah, yeah i really definitely. like definitely recommend hey those kind of activities to open yeah it yeah yeah for sure i know i remember at a it's sort of reminding me as you're talking but as at a previous workplace that we were at yeah when we were brainstorming i remember like we had to come up with it was like what if you could do this and oh, it could be yeah. something completely crazy yeah. So it could be like, what if like soft drink came out of taps in the kitchen? Like something crazy like that. Yeah. And then like the next person had to start their sentence with what if. Yeah. And you kept going around and it just got yeah. Big. yeah, that was cool. I like that. And one. it's yeah, it's amazing how just like having that, changing that filter to the way you're thinking can, like you can come up with so much more yeah. and be so much more creative. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's an awesome, I would definitely recommend using that process. So even as like if you're facilitating a session yeah just like setting the tone and you're like even yourself coming up with some crazy idea so the group can be like oh cool like we can come up with crazy stuff as well yeah. and it won't necessarily be the right idea but someone else might be like oh like 
now that you've said that, I've just thought of this. And then that could lead to like the perfect solution. Like you would never know. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. Like, because I went to this um, event last night and it was on ed tech. So educational technology. And the yeah. guy that was talking was a 17 year old and oh, wow. his name, it was, he was so inspirational. It was amazing. His name's Scott Miller. He owns Bop Industries and it's about um, bringing technology education workshops into schools and teaching kids STEM or STEAM, he calls it, with artistic kind of uh, like framing to it as well. But he yeah. kind of said, like, we were like, oh, why do you love doing what you do, you know? And he was just like, kids are amazing because they have no limits in their thinking. If you say mm. think blue sky or think what's possible, they go with all these crazy ideas. And he yeah. was like, what's the go with um, like adults? Because obviously we think differently and we have, I don't know what happens, but instead of going out this way where anything's possible, we start to go down this way. And it was really interesting that he yeah. made an observation. And I think, like you just said, with as a facilitator, it's really cool if, if you can set the standard and be that gobshite yourself so that people feel more mm. comfortable to kind of get rid of those inhibitions or like, oh, this, my idea is going to yeah. be stupid, you know, and, and just yeah. for it. Like, because the process is more fun if you do come up with those crazy, wacky ideas, oh, yeah. have a laugh. And I know we've yeah. gone down that track before and we get a good yeah. ab workout when it happens. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it was cool. It was really good. Yeah. yeah, very cool. What, um, anything else to, like, on the human-centred? Uh, I think once you, like, do that brainstorming phase, I'm just trying to think what was, um, what else was important to talk about for that stage. I think that is, it is basically just coming up with as many solutions as you can. Yeah. And then... Something else that I read as well that I um, found really useful is once you have all of those different solutions, like you can put them up on the wall, yep. so you can have all these ideas and start to group them. So if people have come up with similar solutions oh, or they're yeah. all part of the same theme, you can put them into groups on the wall. Yeah. And then after that, you can go through as like in a, like a group discussion, you can sort of vote on which ones you think could be the most useful for the solution. So it's like sort yeah. of narrowing down... And it reminds me when we were talking about um, divergent and convergent thinking. Oh, yeah. The other day. Yeah. So, like, starting off with the divergent thinking where you've got all these ideas and you're coming up with, like, as much as you can. And then towards the end, sort of using that convergent thinking to sort of narrow down yeah. which solutions seem like they will work the best and testing it with your user. So, asking them, does this sound right? Yeah. Um, or even, like, implementing it to some level and seeing how it works. That's cool. Very cool. Um, anything else that might add value to these guys? Um, I think the last thing would be just be as creative and don't judge yourself. So just let yourself come up with as much as you can. Make sure that you really understand your user. So whether that means even like I love the concept of actually not just interviewing them, but actually being a part of their day-to-day -day life. So if you have the opportunity to shadow them in their role. So like go to meetings with them, go to lunch with them, see exactly how their day plays out. And yeah. it's like, it's amazing the insights you can get from that just from being in their environment. Yeah. It's like you're um, a fly on the wall. Hey, 
like yeah, observing exactly. them in their behavior and you can find out where the error is yeah. or what makes their life hard and yeah that's cool definitely yeah and i think as well like stories so finding from finding out from people what stories they have because stories can be so powerful so if you've got stories from your user around what their experience is yeah or what their challenges are using those in the design process can be really insightful yeah so i think that would be the the top tips but obviously like it's such a massive process yeah um in terms of like there's so much to it and on the ido website there's so many tips and tricks for each stage of the process so yeah i would probably just say like if you are interested i would definitely check out that website just because there's so much there and everyone's going to be interested in different parts yeah um but yeah it's so useful it's definitely a process i am super excited about and i think it adds so much value so yeah awesome that's well, it i reckon yeah i think we'll end it there so if you guys have made it to the end of the video thank you for watching we really appreciate that and i hope that it has added value to you um we are bell vista studios and we're an e-learning and instructional design studio and basically we put things out there like this to kind of help ourselves improve because we always have to challenge and kind of keep up with what's going on and when you put things out to the world like this i think people call it working out loud you know you're really accountable because anyone in the world can see this stuff and really criticize you so i think you know it's a really good <laughs> challenge for us to be at the top of our game um, by putting things out like this so thank you guys for being part of the community um, and maybe see you in another video if we feel confident after this one <laughs> okay bye